0: Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au Come on, how good is it to be in the house of the Lord this morning? One person, yeah. Come on. Uh, if we have not met before, my name is Ben and I'm one of the pastors here at Elevation Church. I oversee uh, the worship team and I oversee our young adults demographic. If you don't know what a young adult is, it's somewhere between an 1835-ish area you know, somewhere in that age group. Uh, that I oversee uh, that demographic. Uh, and I'm so excited if you are a guest with us this morning or if this is your first time here this morning, well, you have joined us in the middle of our series, The Powerhouse. And if you are unsure what that means, you're like, the powerhouse. Is that like a greenhouse, but for power? Kind of. But we get it out of Acts eight. It says, but you will receive power. Power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Jesus said, when you come into a relationship with me, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll be filled with power. Each and every one of us has the ability to be filled with the Holy Spirit, with His presence and with power. But then, as we, as the church, come together, we aren't just individual people filled with power, we are a powerhouse. We're like a greenhouse for the sun, but we're a powerhouse for the sun. Amen? So we're a powerhouse that the Holy Spirit can work in us and we can be vessels for what He wants to do here on this earth. And when we become the powerhouse, we will become a church on fire. We will become a church so filled with the presence of God, it will draw people in. And what does a church on fire look like? Well, I read it before, but also in Matthew 10.8, when Jesus is sending out His 12 apostles, He says, Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. That is what Jesus has called us to do. He then in Luke 10, sends out the, uh, the 72, and it's the same thing. But when they return, the 72 say, Even the demons bow to us in your name. And then in Mark 16, which I read out before, he said, When you believe, when you go out and proclaim the gospel, these signs and wonders will follow. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. This is not some over-exaggerated ideology. This is not just some uh, utopian, uh place that we believe that we can get to. This is the norm of what a powerhouse church looks like. This is the norm of what a church on fire looks like. And I have seen each and every one of these things happen in this building. I've seen people healed in this building. I've seen uh, lepers cleansed in the building. If you don't know what that is, we can talk later. I don't have time. Uh, I have seen people freed. I've seen a dead man raised back from the dead in this building. We have had so many testimonies as Sonny um, stole from my notes earlier. Uh, we have had so many testimonies. We've had testimonies of allergies being healed, cancer disappearing, ears opening in our service, mental health restoring, families reconciling, headaches disappearing, prodigals coming home, asthma gone, freedom for people, strongholds broken, babies healed and wombs opened. This is who our God is and this is who He has called us to be. We are a powerhouse church and we will be a church on fire. This is our norm. God is moving. God is working. He is speaking. He is here in the room and He wants to meet with us. He wants to meet with you. But sometimes we can get so hungry for the things of God, yet there's something stopping us seeing His goodness in our life. We, we, we want to draw closer, but there's just something in the way. There's something stopping us. There's something hindering us from seeing the power of God work in our lives. And that's what I want to talk about today. Two mindsets that can limit our ability to see God move in our life. Number one, unbelief. In Matthew 13, when Jesus, He had finished these parables, He went away from there and coming to His hometown, He taught, He taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? Are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? Are not all his sisters with us? Where then did this man get these things? Questions are not bad. God's not afraid of your questions. God wants you to ask questions. If you have questions, ask Him. But these questions... We're not wanting an answer, they were accusatory. He, they, they were not wanting the answer, and it said, and they took offense at him. They didn't want the answer, they didn't want to know who this Jesus was because they did not believe. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. And what I love about this scripture is that it doesn't say he didn't do any. It says that he didn't do many. So he was still moving because our God is limitless. But their unbelief hindered their ability to see what God had in store for them. I love in Mark 6, it's the parallel passage for this story. It said, And Jesus did not do any mighty works in that city, except lay his hand on a few people and they were healed. I don't know about you, but that's a mighty work in my book. I just love it because what Mark and what Matthew are trying to get across is like, yes, he moved. Yes, he healed. But man, their unbelief stopped what he had in store for them. Their unbelief caused them to be hindered, to, to not see what God wanted to do in their life. And for, for, for some of us, it might be that you're here and you just don't believe in God. You just don't believe in it. You're like, why am I even here? I don't believe in this God. He had some words said before. He had prayed for a person before. Is that what God wants to do? You might not believe in who He says He is or who He says you are. I know He says that He will heal me, but I haven't seen it in my life. So is that really true? He says that He is going to provide, but I haven't seen that in my life, so is that really true? It can lead us down this, this path of just not believing what is going on and not believing the Word of God. And I believe that one of the ways that this, uh, this mindset has crept its way into the church is through the doctrine or the theology of cessationism. Pastor Gus talked about it a little bit last week, so I'm not going to go into it. But for those that aren't sure what that means, cessationism literally comes from the word to cease. It's the belief that the spiritual gifts are not for today. That there is no mighty working power of God that is for today. That when Acts closed, the power of God closed. It was just for the disciples. It was just for the apostles. But one thing I find so interesting, and I did the maths. If you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the book of Acts, you don't count 12 people doing mighty works. You count 100 people doing the mighty works of God. And if you want the Bible verses, come talk to me after and I can send it to you. But there are 100 different people in those five books alone that have spiritual gifts working through them, that having the power of God flow through them. See, it wasn't just Lazarus that raised from the dead. There was multiple people that were raised from the dead. There were multiple people that were, that were healed. It is for today. So if you think it is not for today, what do you do when you're faced with a testimony of the opposite, What do you do when you're faced with a testimony of what we heard last week with Evelyn? She had cancer and the doctors went to, to operate and it had disappeared. Gone. Come on. Let's give it up for our God. What do you do when you're faced with that testimony? The power working God is here. He is real and He wants to meet with His people. Unbelief, it does not hinder God. It hinders us. And our ability to receive the skeptic is limited by they by what they might know or what they might have seen in mark 9 it talks about this when uh, when a father he came to jesus and he wanted his boy to be healed and it, and before Jesus heals the boy because he does heal the boy but before he does they get into this conversation and at one point Jesus says if you can all things are possible for the one who believes Jesus is getting rid of this mindset of unbelief he's saying if you believe all things are possible and what does the father say back to him in verse 24 I believe Help my unbelief. It's not about you going and getting more faith. It's not about you going and getting more belief. And it's like, I just need to believe a little bit more. So it's coming to Jesus and saying, help. Help my unbelief. Faith and belief come from Jesus. So if there is things in your life that you're like, I don't believe, come to Jesus and say, help my unbelief. So the first mindset, unbelief. And the second mindset, fear. The second mindset that can limit our ability to see the power of God in our life is fear. And in Matthew 5, some of us might be very familiar with this story. It's the story of the man who was possessed not by one, but a legion of demons. And then Jesus cast all of the demons out. But before uh, he cast them out, the demons spoke to Jesus and said, Please don't just send us out into the nothingness. Send us out into those pigs. So Jesus goes awesome. I'll send you into the pigs. And then they cast them out, entered the pigs, and then the pigs ran down the hill and jumped off the mountain. Jesus always has a last laugh. Come on. So, and then we pick up the story in verse 14. The herdsmen fled and told it to the city and to the country, and people came to see what it was that had happened. See, when Jesus moves, people find out and it draws them in. See, we don't need a, a, a fire to tell us that there's a fire. When there's a fire, it draws people in. And when a church is on fire, it will draw people in. So when the mighty work, uh, power of God is working in this place, it will draw people in. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion sitting there, clothed in his, in his right mind, and they were afraid. They were filled with fear. See, they knew the demon-possessed man, and now they've seen him free. So they acknowledge that something happened. They acknowledge that the mighty work of God happened, but they became fearful. Every other place in the New Testament where a mighty work of God happens, they worship. They celebrate. They love Jesus. They praise Jesus. But in this instant, they become scared. They become fearful of what has happened. And those who had described it to them, what had happened to the demon-possessed man entered the pigs, and they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. They became fearful, and they told Jesus to leave. It limited, limited their ability to see what Jesus had in store for them. And for you today, there might be some things that you are scared of or fearful of, It might be the fear of the unknown. You just don't know what's going to happen. It might be the the fear of the future. Like we love just knowing what God has in store for us, but we can be so fearful of it that we do things that we are not meant to do. It might be the fear of looking silly, the fear of rejection, the fear of man, whatever it might be. It can all lead to feelings of intimidation, apprehensiveness, anxiety, anxiety, It can get a stronghold on us and just cause us to not be who God has called us to be. And it can lead to other things like the denial or being afraid of God so much so that you run from God like Jonah or you hide from God like Adam and Eve because you're so fearful of the things of God. But in 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, it says, for God gave us a spirit of not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. We have not been given fear from God. He gives us power, love, and self-control. In both of these cases, with the unbelief and with the fear, God moved, miracles happened, but then the people shut it down. They said, no more here. They either told Jesus to go away or because of their unbelief, they were unable to see what God had in store for them. And this unbelief, this fear, it doesn't happen overnight. It's not like just one day you wake up and you don't believe. It's not like one day you wake up and you just are fearful. It comes in slowly. It creeps its way in. It's like a tap that has a a drift. You're like, I'll get to it later. I'll get to it later. I'll get to it later. And then all of a sudden, your sink is overflowing. It can come in through open doors that we allow the enemy to come into. It can come in through our sin, undealt with sin. You're like, it's not that bad, I'll deal with it later. God hasn't convicted me of it yet. If you're thinking about it, probably is Him convicting of you. Right? But it could be, oh, it's not as bad as that guy, so when he stops, I'll stop. Or it could be through unforgiveness. Unforgiveness, it doesn't hurt anybody but yourself. Someone could have hurt you, and it could have been bad, but when you are not forgiving them, it doesn't hurt them. It only hurts you. If you hold on to that, you get bitter, you get sad, you get angry. It's not affecting anyone but yourself. It could come in through an open door like addiction. And you're probably thinking, okay, I don't rack up every Friday night. I'm not going to the club every Saturday night. No, no, but we all have a phone. It could come through uh, intentional or unintentional actions that we are participating in, whether we know or don't know that it's wrong. Or it could just come in through the fact that we are shutting God out, deliberately shutting God out of a part of our life. They're like, you know what, God, you can have 95% of my life, but this 5%, this is off limits. This is my place. You just need to turn your head. You just don't look at this. This is my life. But the thing is, where there's mess, where there's rubbish, there's rats, right? If you leave a mess in your home, you're going to get rats. If you leave rubbish lying around, you're going to get rats. And like for me, like TMI, but I have a phobia of mice and rats. I hate them. If they're in this place and I'm preaching, preach over. I'm gone, okay? I... No, thank you. Not today. I, no. Okay? I know there's another person in here has a phobia. I won't point them out, but uh, we talk about it and it makes me feel much better about myself. But for me, i got to make sure that the house is clean, right? Because if, if my house isn't clean, there's going to be rats. Praise the Lord that ever since I've been married to Anna, no rats in my house. Praise Jesus. As you said, find a good thing, find a wife. I love it. Right? But I can also get really lazy and forgetful about taking out the rubbish. It's like, ah, it's just, there's a little bit more space. I'll do it tomorrow, right? I'll do it tomorrow. But then I'm in this cycle of not wanting rats, but also not doing anything about the rubbish. And we can do the same with our sin. We can do the same with our rubbish in our life, with our unforgiveness, with our addictions. We're like, we just, oh, it's not that bad. I'll deal with it later. But here's the thing. This is not some self-help talk. This is not five steps to overcome fear. Five ways to believe more. No, no, no. Because at the root of unbelief, at the root of fear, is a demonic spirit. It's a demonic spirit. The spirit of unbelief is from the enemy. It is a stronghold that he has over you. It is a presence that can come around you and grip you. The spirit of fear is from the enemy, not from God. These are demonic workings that we need to rid from our lives it comes to oppress and mess up our life to limit the power of God in our lives limit us being able to see the hand of God in our life making us feel like God is absent when we know through his word that he is not absent he is a God that is wants to be for us and he is with us at all times the enemy will come in through our rubbish if we leave our rubbish out he'll come like a rat he'll come like a mouse he feeds on our rubbish, through the rubbish of our, our sin, through the rubbish of our unforgiveness. You might be so entrenched and caught up in your fear of God that instead of going to Him to understand your future or to go to Him to understand your life, you run off to fortune tellers, you run off to tarot card readers. You're so fearful that the enemy has called, called you to go to Him because that's, that's from the enemy. They are demons working through those people. Tarot card readers, fortune tellers, it is demonic presence. It is not a fun and games. We need to close these doors. We need to get them out of our life. We need to clean up our rubbish. It is the work of the enemy. All of this, fear, unbelief, it is the work of the enemy. And in John 10.10, 10, it says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And we can think of big terms, like He's come to steal my life, to kill my life, to destroy my life. But He's also come to steal your joy. He's also come to kill your dreams. He's also come to destroy your healing. It is the work of the enemy. But as this verse goes on, Jesus says, I came that you may have life and you may have life abundant. That is who our Jesus is. Because in 1 John, it says, Whoever uh, The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came and He has destroyed the works of the devil. And then in John 8.36, it says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Jesus has defeated the devil. The devil is living on borrowed time. The works of the enemy is gone and they can be sent out of your life. All we need to do is we need to step into the freedom that Jesus bought on the cross. Step into the freedom that His blood paid the price for at Calvary. We have the ability to step into that freedom. Do you want it? So with the little time that I have left, I'm going to go through three real quick our thoughts about how we are to stay free and how we are to be free. Number one, we are to put on and use the armour of God. Put on and use. It's all well and good to put on the armour of God. Put on the helmet, put on the chest plate, put on the the shoes. There's no pants, but that's alright. But if you're holding a sword and you're doing nothing with it, You may as well drop it. Why have you even got it? If you're not using the armor of God, it's not going to do anything for you. In Ephesians 6, verse 17, it says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. The sword of the Spirit using the sword. Is praying. Using the sword is being in the word. Because sometimes as Christians, we can be caught up in going, you know what? I just need to get to Sunday. I just need to get to that one and a half hours on a Sunday and I could be refilled, I can be refreshed, I can be all good and then I'll go back out into my week. I'll somehow make it to Saturday. I'll kind of recalibrate and then you know what? I just got to get to Sunday again. But there are six days of the week where the enemy is coming to steal, kill and destroy. There are six days of the week that we need to be in the Word, that we need to be in prayer. We need to be using the Word of God to do to defeat the works of the enemy in our life, to, to push back what he has in our life because he has no authority in our life because we are free. Because who with the sun sets free is free indeed. And for some of us, we might be like, well, I've just never got into this habit of Bible reading. It's just a little bit too hard. Just don't, I'm not talking about let's start reading a book a day. Just start with one verse a day. Download the Bible app. It has a verse of the day. You don't even have to think about what verse to read. It will tell you. There's one verse a day. Read it. Get into that habit. Get into the habit of reading it and going over it and having it over your life. Believing what God says about Himself and what He says about you. Once you get into the habit, start doing a couple of verses. A short passage. A chapter a day. Wait until you're in the habit to expand. And prayer, we need to be in prayer every single day because prayerlessness is actually a sin. So not praying is also a way to allow the enemy into your life. So we need to be praying. And I'm not saying we all need to get up at 5am and spend an hour and a half in prayer and like, you know, go to the gym for an hour and then by 6.30, you've already had a day and you can start your second day and it's great. But just one minute a day, a couple minutes a day, Just a couple of minutes a day. And if you don't even know what to pray for, thank God. Start with thanking God. We come into His courts with praise and thanksgiving. Thank you, God, for my family. Thank you, God, for my kids. Thank you, God, for my house. Thank you, God, for my job. And if you're not enjoying a job, Pray, thank you, God, for my job. Because then who knows what He's going to do in your life. Thank you, God, for my job. Thank you, God, that you've got me into the university degree. Thank you, God, that I'm, a, I'm in school and I don't have to pay the bills. Right? Start with thanking God. And then tell Him about your day. Man, God, this happened and it really sucked today. I just needed to tell someone. And this is what I'm believing for in my life. This is what I want to see in my life. And you can just say, fill me. I just need more of you. Help my unbelief. So we need to be praying. We need to be reading the Word of God. We need to be using the armour of God. Number two, we need to be renewing our mind. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing what you may discern, what is the will of God, what is good and perfect. We need to renew our minds, but we cannot do that unless we have the power of God, unless we have the Holy Spirit. But then in 2 Corinthians 10.5, it then goes on to say, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. But we can't destroy arguments. We can't take every thought captive if we don't know the Word. It says that we destroy arguments that come against this. If you don't know what this is, how are you going to destroy an argument? If you don't know what this is, how are you going to take every thought captive? When the enemy is trying to still kill and destroy things in your life, you need to come against it with the Word of God. And if you don't know, I've got a couple of verses just behind me. They take a photo of this and these things that you can speak over your life. John 8, if the Son has set you free, you are free. And then 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy 1.7, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. This is who you are. This is who God says you are. It, Mark 9, immediately He said, I believe, help my unbelief. Romans 8.16, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. When the enemy tries to tell you that you are not a child of God, you can say, you're wrong, I am a child of God. And when the enemy tries to bring fear in your life, he's like, that's not from God, love, power and self-control is from God. When the enemy is trying to tell you not to believe, it's like, nope, God help my unbelief. These are things that you can speak over your life, you can pray into your life so you can step into the freedom that God has for you. That's what Jesus did when He was in the wilderness. The enemy came to steal, kill and destroy, but Jesus used the Bible as protection. Jesus used the Word of God to destroy the work of the enemy. So we need to use the armour of God. We need to renew our mind. And as the band come, we need to be baptised in the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we see this in Matthew 12. It says, When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest but finds none. The way we are to be set free is through prayer. We're going to open up the altar later and I believe that we're going to see people being set free this morning. To be set free is to be prayed for, had hands laying on. And then it goes on to say, verse 44, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house empty, swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings with it seven other spirits more evil than itself and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that person is worse than the first. It's saying, we need to clean house. We need to rid ourselves of the things of the enemy. But we don't stop there. Because if we are empty, something needs to fill it. And the enemy will fill it if he has the chance. So we need to be filled with the power of God. We need to be filled with the presence of God. We need to be baptised in the Holy Spirit. And as we are moving through our lives, we can see in Acts 2 that it is an event. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is an event that happens. He poured out His Spirit, signs and wonders happened, and they did amazing things for the kingdom of God. But then in in chapter 4 of Acts, we then see it's not just a singular event, but it's a continual event. Because as we are living our life for Jesus, we are stirred and we are consecrated and we are sanctified. So as we grow, as we live, as we follow Jesus, more and more of the enemy is removed. More and more of the world is removed. More and more of our flesh is removed and we need to be filled with the power of God. We need to be filled with the presence of God. So it is a one-time event and then it is also a continual event that we can keep asking God, fill me. Fill me. I just want more of you. And in a moment, we're going to open up the altar. The prayer team are going to come out in a moment and we're going to pray for people. And I believe that people are going to be set free today. They're going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit today. They're going to be filled with the presence and the power of God. Because If any of this resonated with you, if you just think it might not be fear, it might not be unbelief, whatever it might be in your life that you feel like there's just a blockage between you and the power of God, we want to pray it out of you. We want to release that from your life. We want to see freedom in this house this morning, and I believe that we will. But before we get into that, if you've never come into a relationship with this Jesus who who died on the cross, who bought the freedom for you that we just get to step into? If you are unsure, you might have known Jesus once and walked away. You might have never have heard about this Jesus person that you thought Christianity and Jesus was just a bunch of rules and religion. No, Jesus is freedom. Jesus is your eternal life with Him in heaven. So in a moment, if that's you, if you feel like you're taught, if, you're, if God's calling you home, if you just want to start this relationship with Jesus, if you want to step into the freedom that Jesus has bought for you, that His blood paid the price for your freedom. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand because I want to know who we're praying with. Jesus loves you. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him, should not perish, but have eternal life. In Acts 2, it says, He poured out His Spirit on all flesh, and whoever, it's not a select few, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And with all eyes closed in the room today, if that's you, if you're just saying, I, want, I need Jesus, I want I want Jesus. I want to start this relationship with Jesus. I want to step into the freedom that He has bought for me. If that's you with eyes closed, I just ask you to boldly raise your hand right now just so we know who we're praying for. I'll just give it a couple more moments. If that's you in this place, I just ask you to boldly raise your hand. So good. God knows it's not it's not a, a hand raised, but it is a heart decision. So let me pray. Let's stand and I'm going to pray. Lord, I just pray for every person in this place. If they do want to make a decision to come to know You today, Lord, I just pray that You meet them where they are. That they know that it's not a matter of raising their hand, but it's a heart posture. It's turning to You. Turning to You for who You are, for what You've done in their lives. So I just lift up every person in this room in the name of Jesus. Amen.